to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're going to jump in today. I love you guys. Let's pray and ask the Lord to open the eyes of our understanding. And then let's get into this today, what the Lord's been showing me about prayer and how you can see your prayers quickly answered in 2020 and even before the year begins. But let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray now for every man and woman that are watching the broadcast today. I ask you in Jesus' name that you would give us divine revelation, supernatural wisdom and understanding. Give us access to your ways and to your thoughts Uh, And as we study your word today, I pray that you would build a fresh and a new faith on the inside of us in Jesus' name. Equip us for what you've called us to do in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Open doors for your people, Lord. I pray that this would be the greatest year of opportunity and open door that we've ever seen in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for that. Lord, even those things, if they've lost anything, if if they feel anything's been stolen from their life, Let this be the year that they recover everything that seemed to be lost forever. We thank you that your word declares in Proverbs 6.31 that when the thief is found, he must repay seven times what he stole, even if he has to sell everything in his house. And so we declare it. It will be a year to recover even everything that was lost. In Jesus' name, with interest, we give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good to see Pat Blay this morning. Lady Wisdom Speaks Academy. Good to have you on today as well. And uh, Pam Bondi, good to have you today. Thanks for joining me. If you haven't done so yet, take a minute, share the broadcast, and we're going to jump into this today. As you saw on the uh, description of the broadcast, we're dealing with five fatal mistakes that leave your prayers unanswered. Five fatal mistakes that leave your prayers unanswered. And, and here's the thing, people get frustrated because their prayers seem to be unanswered or it feels like they've been waiting a long time to see answered prayer. But one of the things I want to get off the, from right, right off the bat of this broadcast, they get into your spirit, is that God wants to answer your prayers. God desires to answer your prayers. He does not want you to ever pray and go without answers and go without miracles and breakthrough. It is God's desire to answer your prayers without question. In fact, the Bible says this, and did you know that God answering your prayers is one of the ways that he brings overwhelming joy into your life? That's why the Bible says in the gospel of John, uh, Jesus speaking said this, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So answered prayer is one of the ways that God brings joy into your life. You pray and you inquire and you ask him to come and and, uh, show himself strong and mighty in your life in any situation. And when God comes through and answers your prayer, it brings a joy according to scripture, according to Christ. It brings joy into your life. And so many people, there is a lack of joy in their lives because they've not seen their prayers answered. 
And so people get frustrated. But I want you to write it in the comments right off the bat. Every person that's watching, put it in the comments. God wants to answer my prayers. Put that in the comments. God wants to answer my prayers. Without question, God wants to answer my prayers. And the reason I'm saying that, that might seem simple to many people. You say, well, yeah, obviously, you know, he's God. He wants you to pray. He wants to answer. But there's so many people that have been taught. And you might have heard this in church as you're writing it in the comments. God wants to answer my prayers. You might have heard this. People say, well, brother, and I've heard it in services all over. You know, when you pray, sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says maybe. And you know, sometimes they change it up. And sometimes God says wait. You know, that's what people say. And I've heard it. I've heard it all over the place. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. And sometimes God says maybe or wait. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the promises of God are yes and amen. God answers with a divine yes. God answers with a divine yes. That's it, Letty. Thanks for jumping on. That's right, AJ. God the red light, like he's putting a stop to your prayers. God wants to answer your prayers. And the promises of God, they are yes and amen. That means so be it. The promises of God are yes and amen. That means when you begin to stand on the promises of God and, and, and request and inquire of the Lord, he has a desire to answer your faith in the affirmative, which means to bring you the very thing that you're asking him for. And that's what he does. That's why Jesus did a teaching to the Pharisees and those that were listening in Matthew chapter 7, and he starts to compare God as a heavenly father to earthly fathers who are being evil, the Bible says those that are you, he said, you being evil, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. And then he gives examples, you know. He said, those of you that are uh, imperfect men and your child comes to you and asks you for a fish, do you give them a serpent? No. He said, if they come and ask you for bread, do you give them a stone? No. He said, even you, earthly fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children. He said, but how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to them that are to them that ask him? Notice that. That's Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 11. Thanks for jumping on from East London, South Africa. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Jesus teaches about a loving heavenly father who knows how to give good gifts to those who ask him. And so obviously we've got to ask him. He wants us to ask him because when we ask in faith, the Bible says he answers us. And guess what faith brings? Great rewards. Your faith brings great rewards. I love uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And anyone that comes to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You see that? He is a rewarder 
of those that diligently seek him. And I love that because that word diligently, it brings out a lot in our lives because diligent seeking is different than casual seeking. I always explain it this way to people. If you were at your friend's house and sitting on the couch watching a movie with your friend, and then you get back in your car to go home and three quarters of the way home, you reach in your pocket and you realize, hey, I had three or four quarters in my pocket before I uh, went to his house. I'm sitting on the couch. They must have fallen out in the couch cushions. Well, you're not going to turn your vehicle all the way around after you're almost home to go back and tear their couch apart and find those three quarters. However, if you had a $100 bill in your pocket and you reach and find out that that $100 bill is gone, then guess what? You're going to flip that car around and go back to the house and tear those couch cushions apart until you find the $100 bill that was in your pocket. What's the difference? One would have been casual seeking, and it's not even worth doing because you don't care as much. The other, diligent seeking. You know, even if you did lose a few quarters or maybe a dollar bill, you're not going to search like you did if it was a $100 bill. Why? Your, your seeking is going to go from casual for the $1 bill to diligent for the $100 bill. And here's why. You place greater value on the $100 bill than you did the three quarters. You look at that and view it with greater value. And when people view the things of God with great value and the presence of God with great value, and, and the anointing of God and the blessings of God, and they place great value upon those things, guess what's going to happen? It's going to change their seeking from casual to diligent. It's going to change their seeking from casual to diligent. And I want you to put it in the comments section right now. I must seek him diligently. I must seek God diligently. That's what he's looking for. He actually spoke to the prophet Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah. And he said, when you seek after me with your whole heart, you will find me. When you seek after me with your whole heart, you will find me. And so God's looking for people that don't view him as a part-time hobby. I must seek him diligently. I'm not looking at God or my relationship with God as a part-time thing. It's not something I just do on Sunday morning. It's not just something I do on Wednesday night or at Bible study. It's not just something I do when I'm in crisis or if there's an attack against my life. You know, because that's a, that's a dangerous thing to only get involved with God when something's going wrong. And then you use him like a drug. You know, I, I got to have him right now because I got something going on. And then when everything's back to fine and cool again, then I can lay off and go back to doing my own thing. No, I've got to seek him diligently all the time. I need his presence. I need his power. I need his blessings. So what's the key? I've got to seek him diligently. I've got to. And when we do, here's the promise, which I love. He said, when you seek after him diligently, guess what? He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So catch this today. God has a desire to reward you greatly. Now, let me tell you, when God rewards you, you will know you've been rewarded. It, it is not the same as a man rewarding you. When God rewards you, you will know that you've been rewarded. Amen. You will know that you've been rewarded. So we've got to seek him diligently. 
So today I want to give you five fatal mistakes because even though people are praying and, and uh, you know, there's people that, that press in and do their best to pray or seek the face of God, uh, they don't receive and they're, and they're frustrated. And they say, well, why am I not, why is God not answering? God must not be hearing me right now. God must not hear all prayers. God must not, he must not answer all prayers. And then they start building their theology around their experience versus what the word of God actually says, which is dangerous. Don't ever build your theology on experience or on somebody else's story. What happened to somebody else in their life? Well, you know, I know you say God heals everybody, but I knew a very godly man who died of this or died of that. And what do they start doing? They start changing their theology to accommodate their tragedy. And that is a very dangerous thing to do. So I didn't, you know, here's what you have to remember. The experience of someone else's life is not on the same level as the mighty word of God. The experience of my life does not hold the same authority as the mighty word of God. Listen, it would not matter if I didn't see any of the promises of God fulfilled in my own personal life, that would not change the word of God one bit. Even if I never saw healing, deliverance, blessing, prosperity, if I never saw any of those things happen in my own life, that would not mean that those things are not true or that they're not the promises of God and that they're not for his children. It would just mean that I don't know how to receive them. That's all it would mean. It has nothing, it doesn't change the truth of God's word. And that's the that's a trick of the devil to try to get you to change what you believe based upon what you've seen in someone else's life or based upon what you've experienced in your own life and say, well, see, because of what happened to me, that must mean God doesn't always come through. No, that's not what it means. It means that you need a greater revelation of the word of God to understand how to access and receive the promises of God that are set aside for you, which is why I do broadcasts like this. Because when I do these types of broadcasts, what I'm trying to do is for those that have never heard these things, help you have a greater understanding of how you can have your prayers answered, how you can step into miracles and walk in your healing. That's what we need. We need an understanding of the word of God. And here's why. The Bible says in John chapter 8 and verse 32, you will know the truth. And the truth that you know will set you free. So there's a freedom that only can come from a revelation of the truth. A revelation. That's why God said, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And so when you gain revelation of God's word and, and you understand why things work the way they work, it allows you to walk in freedom. And so I'm going to give them to you as I'm giving you these five uh, in the broadcast. Pop it up in the comments. So those that those can see it that are watching or re-watching, but I'm going to give you five fatal mistakes that keep your prayers unanswered. Five fatal mistakes that keep your prayers unanswered. Number one is sinfulness, unholy living, unrighteous living. And I'm going to show it to you from the word of God. Sinfulness, unrighteous living, unholy living keeps your prayers from being answered. 
It keeps your prayers from being answered by God. I'll give you two scriptures to prove that from the word of God, one in the Old Testament and one in the New. First, let's read what the Bible says in the book of Psalm 66, verses 16 through 18. Listen to this. It says, come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Do you see that? This is the psalmist writing here, Psalm 66, uh, and listen to verses 16 through 18. Interesting. He said, come and listen. I cried out to God for help, praising him as I spoke. And if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, he would not have listened. Notice that. The psalmist tells us that in the Old Testament, that if he had not confessed his sin, God would not have listened to his prayers. Listen to the New Testament, because people say, well, brother, that's Old Testament. That's before Jesus shed his blood and we stepped into the dispensation of grace, and now grace covers our sin. No, let me show you what the Bible says. Peter wrote this to us in the New Testament, and it's in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. Listen to this. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do what is right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But look at this. But he turns his face against those who do evil. You hear that? So in context, in one verse of scripture from Peter, 1 Peter 3.12, that the eyes of the Lord are watching over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But he turns his face away from those who do evil. He turns his face away from those who do evil. So the New Testament verse is 1 Peter 3.12. The Old Testament verse, Psalm 66, verses 16 through 18. Sinfulness, unholy living, unrighteous living, turns the face of God away from his people, and he'll not hear their prayers. It actually is something that short circuits answered prayer when you allow sin and live in, in constant sin. That's why holiness, you know, there's a blessing that comes simply from living holy, righteous lives. It's interesting because you can go through the word of God and find verses of scripture that are so powerful and yet the only prerequisite to receive those powerful things is live holy, live holy. For, let me give you a couple. For example, uh, Job 36, 11. The Bible says, if they would only obey and serve me, they would spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. They would spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. That's Job 36, 11. And what's the prerequisite for that? If they would only obey and serve me. So living a holy lifestyle, obeying the word of God. The Bible says in uh, Psalm 84, 11, that God will withhold no good thing from people who walk uprightly. The psalmist wrote, the Lord our God is a sun and a shield, and he bestows more favor and honor. And no good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. That's Psalm 84, 11. Maria, I'm preaching it right now. 
<laughs> Marie said, nobody preaches holiness anymore, only grace. And it's true. And it's not even the true Bible grace. It is a hyper grace. And it is a, it is a what I've heard some call a greasy grace, which is an excuse to live in sin. But that's not what grace is. Grace is an empowerment to live holy. And so you understand that there is a blessing that comes from living holy. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first what? The kingdom of God, that's kingdom details, and righteousness, right living. Seek those things first, and then all these things will be added unto you. Isn't it interesting? Did you realize? Think about this. There would be things that people wouldn't even have to pray for or about if they would just dedicate themselves to living holy. Do you realize God would just do what he said he would do for his people if they would just simply live holy, righteous lives? You wouldn't have to pray about it. You would not have to uh, fast and pray or go to a prayer line or receive prayer from a leader in the church or you wouldn't have, no. Literally, God would just let those things flow into your life simply for living holy, righteous life style. Look at what the Bible says, Matthew 6, 33 that I just quoted. If you'll seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things, what other things? The things that other people are dying to get, the things that other people have to work three jobs to have, they'll just be added to you. Hallelujah. They'll just be added unto you. Praise God. Why? Because you sought the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. If you walk uprightly, there's no good thing that he'll withhold from your life. It literally would shorten our prayer lines in revival services. It would shorten the prayer requests for services that we stand and say, we want to just, we have a prayer list here for people that need prayer. It would shorten all that if people would literally just dedicate themselves to living holy, righteous lives. And the Bible says it is the number one prerequisite to have your prayers answered is that you've got to live a holy and a righteous lifestyle. And when you do, the Bible says God's not going to turn his face away from you. He's not going to close his ears to your prayer. He will open his ears to your prayers and he will, his eyes will watch over you as his righteous children. You know, anytime you, uh, anytime you start preaching like this, People say, sounds like a works mentality to me, because that's what people have been indoctrinated with in our, in our generation. There's been so much false grace teaching that anytime you talk about being responsible to obey the word of God, people jump out of the woodwork. Sounds like works to me, brother, and we're under grace. Sounds like you're frustrating the grace of God and trying to push works on people so they can earn their salvation. That's not what I'm doing. That is not what I'm doing. You cannot earn your salvation by good works. Your salvation comes by grace through faith. That's, that's how it comes. That's how it's established. But catch this. Once you get saved, God still requires responsibility to obey his word from you or from anybody. That's what the entire book of James is all about. Show me your faith and I'll show you my faith by my works. There are works of righteousness that God desires from his children. And when we obey the mighty word of God and we live holy, set apart, righteous lives, that's why we set that up for your kids, you know, in Miracle Word Kids, which we just launched. And the tagline that we came up with, strong, smart, and set apart. Strong, smart, and set apart. We're declaring it. Our children will be 
set apart in this world. Our children will not be like everybody else's kids. They'll not go through the same things that everybody else's kids go through. They'll not deal with the same crises and issues that everybody else are dealing with. Our children will be set apart in Jesus' name. That's what holiness means. It just means being set apart. Being set apart. I talked about that a little bit yesterday. Let's go further. Not only sinfulness, but number two, the second fatal mistake that keeps people from receiving answers to their prayers is unfocused prayer requests. That's true, Marie. You can't tell the difference from people that are, are saved and unsaved anymore because of their lifestyle. You can't tell. Everybody's going around doing the same thing and screaming grace, but that's not what God's word says. Number two, unfocused prayer requests. Pop it in the comments. Unfocused prayer requests. That's why I said it at the beginning of the broadcast that when, the, when we do this 2020 vision broadcast on next Wednesday, we are writing down what we're believing for. We will have focused prayer requests, goals that are written out. Write the vision, make it plain. We will have it. By the way, if you haven't shared the broadcast yet, take a minute to share it because people need to. I can't tell you how many people that are frustrated that write us and say, I've been praying for years. My prayers are not answered. This is what they need. Take a minute and share the broadcast. Unfocused prayer requests. You can't have unspoken prayer requests and expect God to answer them. You can't. You know, that's something we've had in church for years. Well, uh, I've got an unspoken prayer request. There's no such thing as an unspoken prayer request. I'm going to show it to you from the word of God. Listen to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Let your requests be made known unto God. So it can't be made known if it's kept a secret. You can't have unspoken prayer requests. That's unfocused. And here's why that's a problem. Faith, and you, I want you to write this in the comments section. Faith always needs a target. Pop that in the comments. Everybody watching. Faith always needs a target. That's right. He would say that. And, I, and I've heard him say that in person. And I remember being in school and he'd tell those stories that he'd say, if, if people said they, they couldn't, couldn't tell the prayers, he'd say, then I can't pray for you. And that's exactly right. That's what I'm getting to is that faith always needs a target. It needs a target. What do I mean by that? It means that if you can't actually focus on the thing that you're believing God for, how would you even know how to pray for the thing that you're praying for? You know, if somebody comes to me and says, I have an unspoken prayer request, how do I pray for that? Because remember this, that God is only watching over his word to perform it. Not our desires, not, not our opinions, not our, no, not our needs. If God was moved by needs, there'd be no needs in the world. Did you ever think about that? If God was moved by need, there would be no needs. There'd be no hungry children. There'd be no sickness. There'd be no disease. But need is not what moves God. Faith is what moves God. 
And faith has to be based upon his word. So if somebody comes to me and says, well, I have an unspoken prayer request. Well, how do I, how do I pray for that? How do I know even what that thing is? Meaning, what if it's that you need healing and I start trying to pray blessing on you? Or if I start trying to pray relationships being restored, it's not going to be what you need. And how can I even, how can I even find scriptures to stand on to pray for you if we don't know what we're praying about? How can I find scriptures in the word of God to stand on and believe? See, that's what God's looking for. He wants to honor his word. He's watching over his word to perform it. And I've got to speak it out. When I speak it, I'm speaking by faith and declaring, I believe God can do this thing. I believe God can do this thing. And so I need to know what I'm praying for. I need to know what I'm saying. And I need to know where my faith is set and what scriptures I'm going to stand on. I've got to know. I've got to know. And so that's why we pray and we let our requests be made known unto God. Look at the miracles that took place in the New Testament with Jesus. People would come to him and tell him exactly what they needed. Nobody was shy about it. They'd come to Jesus and tell. Notice this. There were people that would come to Jesus and tell him uh, what they needed, even though, now here's one that'll blow you blow your mind. They would come to Jesus and tell him what they needed, even though what they needed caused them to be in a place where they could risk death. I'll give you an example. The lepers that came to Jesus, 10 lepers came and approached him. Now here's the issue. Under the law of Moses, if lepers left the colony that they were literally ejected to because leprosy was so contagious. If they left it and came back into society where people did not have leprosy, if they were caught, they were to be stoned to death, to be killed, to keep that sickness out of the general population. So 10 men filled with leprosy came back into society to find Jesus, knowing that if he would touch them, they would be made whole literally risking death to tell him exactly what they needed. What about the Roman centurion soldier? My servant is at home. He's sick with palsy. Come and heal him. Every person that came to Jesus, they had something they were believing for and they told him what it was and he made them whole. We not Don't be ashamed. Let me just say it this way. And this would be, this would be something good to write down in the comments section. If you're too embarrassed to make your request known, then you're too embarrassed to receive a miracle. If you're too embarrassed to make your request known, you're too embarrassed to receive a miracle. And that's the bottom line. The devil wants to keep you in a place where you're embarrassed, keep you in a place where you cannot receive your miracle because you're more worried about what will people think of me when I say this thing than by stepping out in faith and releasing your faith for the very thing you're believing for. Make your requests known unto God. Make your requests known. We're going to declare it. We're going to pray for the thing. And then after we pray, we're going to thank God that it's done. And I'm not ashamed that I need a touch from God. I'm not ashamed that I need his presence in my life. I'm going to continue on speaking and declaring. And I'll never be embarrassed. And I'll never be ashamed. I'm going to make my requests known. The quicker I make them known, the quicker I can literally grab verses of scripture to stand on 
And the quicker I can see my miracle come to pass. The quicker I can see my miracle come to pass. Hallelujah. If you're too embarrassed to make your request known, you're too embarrassed to receive a miracle. That's why I had you write that in the comments section. If you're watching, write that now. If you're too embarrassed to make your request known, you're too embarrassed to receive a miracle. And the devil wants to keep you there in that place of embarrassment. In that place where you feel like, well, I can't tell anybody about this. I, I couldn't let anybody know about this. And that's where the devil wants you. In a place where you're too embarrassed to receive a miracle from God. Pop that in the comments section. I am going to pray, Kim. I'm going to pray at the end of this uh, broadcast. In fact, you know what, Kim? I'm going to pray right now. Everybody, I want you to join your faith with mine and, and pray for Kim Peterson. She was rushed to the hospital today for her kidneys. There's an emergency. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we lose healing virtue to Kim in the hospital right now. I take authority over this attack against her kidneys, and I lose healing virtue into her body. I command those organs to function as they're created to function in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for healing her. We expect a quick turnaround and a praise report to come back quickly in Jesus' name. Amen. That's right. Keep writing it. If you're too embarrassed to make your request known, you're too embarrassed to receive a miracle. Amen, Raina. Kim will be healed in the name of Jesus. And so we've got to have focused prayer requests. Number three, the third thing that will keep us from receiving answers to our prayers is doubt or unbelief. Doubt or unbelief. Doubt will keep us. Unbelief will keep us from receiving the blessings of God. Let me read to you James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Listen to this. The Bible says, and this is once again, James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. We're on number 3 now. We're dealing with doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief. These things will keep your prayers from being answered. And so we've got to deal with them. Doubt and unbelief. Listen to what the word of God says. But let a person who's asking God for anything, let them ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person, person must not suppose that they will receive anything from the Lord. Number eight, verse eight, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So why do you think the devil's working so hard to slip doubt and unbelief into your mind and into your spirit? He knows, he knows that the word of God declares that when you ask God for something, you've got to ask in faith with no doubting. For somebody who doubts, is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed, a double-minded man that is unstable in all their ways, and that person must not believe they'll receive anything from the Lord. God can't bless doubt. He blesses faith. And let me say this to you. Many times we'll have people that try to surround us, and those people, I talked about this last night when I was preaching at the church, there's people that the enemy will try to connect us with that will always speak doubt into our lives. I've separated myself. Now, I want you to think about this. I have separated myself from any person who would speak doubt and unbelief into my life. I don't spend time with them. I don't, have to, I don't listen to what they have to say. I don't get around them. I don't spend my time. Why? My life is too important. 
My vision and my calling are too important. My prayers are too important. My family is too important. My children, for me to stand around with people who will sit there and literally, uh, you know, continue to doubt, continue to doubt and speak doubt to me. Like, I can't do that. I can't spend time doubting. And here's what happens. What happens is this, is that people ending, end up getting around those that are full of doubt and unbelief, and that doubt and unbelief creeps into their life. If you've not seen this, I see it happen all the time. I watch it happen all the time. They sit around with people that are full of doubt and unbelief and listen to them talk and listen to them confess and listen to them speak. And all that happens is all that doubt and unbelief gets into your spirit and starts putting doubt in your mind, starts putting unbelief in your mind. And you sit there and say, well, maybe that's right. You know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't believe. Maybe I shouldn't set my faith like that. And I'm telling you, it is a, a, a trick of the devil to keep people out of their miracles. You've got to separate yourself from doubt and unbelief. I said this last night kind of tongue-in-cheek. I was joking, but I'm serious. <laughs> I was saying it in a funny way, but I'm actually very serious. Is that there may be people on the earth right now that they call themselves Christians. They call themselves believers. But they don't believe the Holy Spirit is for today. They don't believe miracles are for today. They don't believe in speaking in tongues or that that's for today. All these things, they're called cessationists. They believe that the Holy Spirit ceased in his working after the early church was established and the canon of scripture was formed and given to us. And that now the Holy Spirit doesn't work like that anymore. And so anybody that operates in those miracle signs, wonders, speaking in tongues, whatever, they actually criticize them and they vilify them and they call that, you know, a deception or the devil working in churches. Well, they might be saved. <laughs> you know, they might be on their way to heaven and just deceived. But let me just tell you something. I'll see them when I get to heaven, but I don't have time for them here. They can believe that way, preach that way, criticize me, but just because they may be a, a brother in Christ, if they're saved, I don't have time to spend time around people that are going to badmouth miracles, signs, wonders, speaking in tongues, tithing, giving. I don't have time. My vision's too important. What God's called me to do is too important. To sit around and to continue to listen to people that are not, they, they won't believe the full gospel of Jesus Christ. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. I'll see you in heaven. I don't have time for you on the earth. I'm too busy fulfilling my purpose. There are people who need to be saved that need to hear the gospel. There are people that sick, that need a, a miracle in their body. I can't sit around and just mess around with doubt and unbelief and let that stuff get into my spirit or waste my time debating that's the other thing. People will waste your time debating, and you're not going to change their mind. You're not going to change their mind. The, the Bible doesn't teach that debate is the way to get people into faith, that debate is the way to get people into the kingdom of God. That's not how it works. The Bible says God has chosen the foolishness of preaching and teaching. That's what builds faith. But you know there's going to be people that reject it because Jesus told his disciples, when you go to people that refuse to receive what you're saying, don't stay there for 20 years and try to bang your head out off of a brick wall getting these people to believe. Shake the dust off of your feet and go somewhere else. Shake the dust off and go somewhere else 
because there's an entire world that needs the power of God. Stop banging your head against a wall over two people that will not receive it. And don't allow them to speak doubt and unbelief into your life. Don't allow your future to be governed by a couple of knuckleheads that don't believe the Bible. Just separate and say, God bless you. See you later. I don't have time to mess around with that foolishness. I don't have time and neither do you. And doubt and unbelief are killers when it comes to receiving answered prayer from the Lord. And so you have to understand debate. In fact, let me say something about debate. Paul, and, and listen, Peter told us in the New Testament that we should be ready to give an answer for those that have questions regarding the hope that we have. And so I'm not saying that, you don't, that you're not studied or that you don't know what you believe or that you don't have the ability to answer scripturally what it is you believe in, but that, that doesn't mean debate. Paul, Peter was not telling us that we should go out to those that don't believe and just start debating them over what we believe. He's saying when somebody approaches you and wants to know more about what it is you're believing for, that wants to know more about faith, wants to know more about miracles. You should be uh, uh, studied enough and anointed enough that you could literally sit down and explain to them from the word of God what it is you believe and why we believe this way. It's a totally different thing than debating a critic. Debating a critic is not the same as giving answers to someone who's hungry. They're two different things. And if you study the, the life of Paul the apostle, he had mighty miracles, signs and wonders throughout his ministry. But watch this, his least effective meeting in his entire ministry in scripture was when he went to Athens in Greece and began to address all of those people that were philosophers and different religious people. They had all these uh, different gods set up statues and monuments to their gods. And there was a, a monument or a statue to the unknown God. And he used that and said, yes, there is an unknown God that you don't know about. And he began to preach to them and debate with them and philosophize with them about Jehovah. He used debate. He used his intelligence. And notice this. The Bible tells us there were zero converts in that meeting. Nobody was saved. Nobody. They thought what he said was interesting, but he didn't have miracles, signs, or wonders. And neither did he have people converted to Christianity. Because God has not chosen the foolishness of debate. He's chosen the foolishness of preaching. This is why Paul said to the church in Corinth, I didn't come to you with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost, that your faith may not be in men, but in, but in God. And so understand, Paul finally learned the lesson. It is through supernatural power that God operates, not through man's wisdom, not through debate. So don't get involved in foolish debates. Don't get involved. And no, it's not wrong, Carol, to block people on Facebook that drives you nuts on that stuff. Bring peace into your life. I've blocked people on my actual phone so they can't call me anymore, text me anymore. I'm just, I'm, I, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to have peace in my house. I'm going to have peace in my mind. I'm going to have peace in my family. I'm not going to go through critic after critic. Just separate yourself. Separate yourself from that foolishness. It keeps you from your miracles and answered prayers. Number four. So number three, number one was unrighteousness keeps you from your answered prayers. Number two, unfocused prayer requests keep you from answered prayer. Number three, doubt and unbelief keep you from answered prayer. Let's go to number four. 
Number four is people praying for things that are not promised in God's word. People praying for things that are not promises. Praying for things that were not promised. <laughs> Tyler said, please unblock me. <laughs> I like Tyler. I would never block him. Number four is praying for things that are not promised. And this, is, this causes people to not receive answers because God's not going to do something for you that he never said he would do. Please write this in the comments and never forget it. Write it in the comments and never forget it. God's not going to do something he never said he'd do. That will bring a light on in so many people's minds. God will not do something he didn't say he would do. God's not going to surprise us and start doing things that are outside of his word, extra biblical. He's not going to just start going off in another direction with a new nature now. Well, my, yeah, my nature was the same for all these thousands and thousands of years, but now in 2020, my nature is changing and I'm different. I'm going to start doing different stuff. No, the Bible says, uh, he spoke to his people in the Old Testament, Malachi. He said, I am the Lord, your God. I do not change. I do not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The nature of God doesn't change, and God is not going to do something that he never said he would do. He's not going to do it. That's why I want you to write in the comments and never forget this. God is not going to do something he didn't say he would do. It's a mistake to think that he would. But there's people, do you know there's people that pray prayers that are not even scriptural? <laughs> like literally not even scriptural. Not even scriptural. Uh, Lisa and they were watching, uh, Lisa and Rick, it, very interesting too that uh, I remember hearing Brother brother Hagen tell this story when I was in Bible school. He said one, th one time when he was a pastor, this is an example of somebody praying prayers that are not scriptural. He said one time when he was a pastor, he had a guy approach him and the guy was like, hey, pastor, would you agree in prayer with me? He said, sure, what can we, what can we agree, agree in prayer over? He said, you see this woman over here in the church? Would you please pray with me that she would be my wife? He said, the only problem with that guy's prayer request was the woman he was talking about already had a husband and he already had a wife. <laughs> and so he told the man, no, I'm not going to pray with you about that and ask God to make that come to pass. The Bible says what God has joined together, let no man put, pull asunder. So what am I going to do? Pray that God breaks up her marriage and breaks up your marriage so that now a new marriage can be formed. No, I'm not going to pray that. You're not going to find that in scripture. I mean, what verse of scripture would you stand on to believe that that would come to pass? And there's people that pray things that are completely unscriptural and believe God that that's going to come to pass. I mean, it's total foolishness. Praying for things God never promised. That's number four. Praying for things that God never promised. God's not going to do something he never said he would do. He just isn't. God's the same. He'll never change. His nature has been the same since the beginning of time. And he will never change his nature. And his word will never change nor will his word ever pass away. Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away.
God's word will never pass away, ever, ever. And so everything we pray must be prayed from the basis or the foundation of this holy written word. That's why I read to you, if, if you didn't catch the scripture, let me, let me read the scripture to you. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12. The Bible said, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. I am watching over my word to perform it. Amen. And so God's looking for things that he already promised and for your faith to be connected to what he's already said so that he can answer those prayers and bring you an answer that you're believing for. So here's what I encourage you to do uh, with number four is that before you ever start praying for something, that's why, by the way, that if you don't have these yet, download our free app on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Just search Miracle Word and you'll find our app. The reason that we made one of these things available was that we put a hundred prayer points inside the app that you could download in PDF. I believe it's a PDF version of it. And, and we, we put those together, not just the prayer, the, the prayer points, but they're attached to scripture verses. Every prayer point is attached to a scripture verse. The reason we do that is so that you have a basis of the word to stand on as you're praying. God's watching over that word to perform it. So here's my encouragement to you, those that are praying for things. Before you ever start praying, before you ever start believing for those things, what I want you to do is find scriptures that will back up the promises that you're believing to come to pass in your life. If you need healing, find healing scriptures. If you need deliverance, find deliverance scriptures. If you're believing for relationships to be restored, find relationship scriptures. And that's why then you stand on those scriptures and believe, you know, for healing. Father, I thank you that your word says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, by whose stripes we were healed. And then you stand on scriptures like that. I thank you, Lord, that you told your children, even in the Old Testament, that you're the God that heals them, that you'll put none of these sicknesses and diseases upon them. That's the book of Exodus. Thank you, Lord, that if you did it for them, you're doing it for me because we have a better covenant that's established upon better promises. That's how you pray. You pray according to the word of God. You remind God of what his word says, not because he forgot, because he wants to know that you remember and that your faith is in that word. And before, before you do any praying, get those verses of scripture to stand on and believe God, for God honors his word. He honors his word. Hallelujah. Let me finish with number five. Number five is going to be the last one for today. Five fatal mistakes that keep your prayers unanswered. And the fifth one is very interesting, pride. Pride will keep your prayers from being answered. Pride is a killer, and it will keep your prayers from being answered. Remember that. Pride will keep your prayers from being answered. Let me read to you James chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Of course, let me quote to you the book of Proverbs. Pride goes before destruction 
and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So pride literally sets you up for destruction in every area of your life. It sets you up for destruction in every area of your life. And so that's why you have to destroy pride and get it out of your life and live in humility and meekness because meekness brings blessing and inheritance. That's why Jesus taught in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and verse 5, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Now listen to James chapter 4 verses 6 through 8. Bible says, and God gives grace generously. As the, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives more grace or favor to the humble. So humble yourselves before God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So catch what this verse is saying. God opposes the proud. That is a heavy statement right there. A heavy statement. What the writer of, you know, James here is writing is, when you walk in pride, when you walk in a haughty spirit, God literally begins to actively oppose your life. Think about that. God begins to actively oppose your life. And let me tell you, we read the scripture all the time. If God be for you, tell me who can be against you. But flip that scripture and say it backwards. If God is against you, tell me who can be for you. If God is against you, tell me who can be for you. That means if God's opposing you, what blessing can come to your life? None. Because blessing comes from the Lord. Increase comes from the Lord. Promotion comes from the Lord. If God's opposing you, nothing is going to happen for you. For God's opposing your life. And who does God oppose? He opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. But look, look, he gives more grace, <laughs> more favor. You ever watched a football game and seen somebody throw a stiff arm? You ever seen a running back throw a good stiff arm into a linebacker and knock him on his behind? That is literal resisting. <laughs> he resisted the linebacker and knocked him on his behind. I don't want God resisting me. I do not want God resisting me. I want you to put that in the comments section today. It is very important, obviously. I do not want God resisting me. That's awesome, Faye. Enjoy that. It'll bless you. Pop it in the comments. I do not want God resisting me. And he, he resists the proud. He resists the proud. And that's why pride goes before destruction. Did you ever think about that? Put these two scriptures together. That's why pride goes before destruction. Because the moment you start living in pride, God starts resisting you and opposing you. I don't want God opposing me. I don't want God resisting me. Because you know why? All of God's enemies are destroyed. All 
of God's enemies are destroyed. And if God's opposing you, that means that you've made yourself his enemy. God bless you from Cuiabá, Mato Grosso in Brazil. A paz. Paz to Senhor. If God's opposing you, all of God's enemies are destroyed. I don't want to be his enemy. I do not want to be opposed by God or resisted by God. I want him to turn his face of favor toward me and to hold out his hand of blessing to me. In Jesus' name, and I know you do too, that means pride has to leave your life. Pride has to leave your life for good and forever. You've got to walk in humility. You have got to walk not only in humility, meekness and humility have to be, it has to be your personality trait. You have to hold on to it tightly. It's so vital that you walk in humility and meekness. It is the thing that brings increase. It is the thing that brings inheritance, meekness, humility, meekness and humility. I need God's input. I need God's help. I need God's direction. I need his correction. Lord, if there's any area of my life where I'm missing the mark and what you want me to do, humility says, Lord, correct me, teach me, show me, lead me, guide me. However, you understand that if you're proud, you say, I don't need to hear any correction. I don't need to hear anything. Don't you tell me what to do. Who does he think he is telling me what to do? That's how our generation lives. Who do they think they are? They don't know me trying to tell me what I should do. And I'm telling you, it's a mistake. It's the devil's plan to bring your destruction, to steal your humility and bring you into pride. Pride is the thing that caused Satan to be ejected from heaven. He said, I will be like the most high God. God bless you in Honduras. God bless you in Paris, France. Thank you for joining me today. We love you guys. Appreciate you being on the broadcast. The devil wants you to walk in pride, but God's calling you into humility and meekness. And let me say, if you'll employ these things, you'll see prayers answered. And I'm going to pray a prayer at the end of this broadcast and believe God for every person that's watching that your prayers are going to be quickly answered and come to pass. Whatever it is you're believing for, like, like those that have already written in. Was, who was it? Kim that just was rushed to the hospital. We're going to continue to pray that God answers your prayers quickly. That the things you're believing for will come to pass now, today. Quick answers to prayers. Have your testimony holding in your hand before the end of this week. I believe it'll take place for you. That you'll already have a, every prayer request will be turned to a praise report in Jesus' name. Let me pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm praying for every person watching this broadcast, whether they're watching it right now or later on the replay. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray whatever it is that they're believing you for, maybe it's healing for their body, maybe it's freedom for their mind, freedom from addiction, whatever it is, relationships to be restored. I pray for every person watching right now, and I loose the power of God to them wherever they are in Jesus' name. And I ask you, touch them now in Jesus' name. Those that need jobs, those that are believing for financial increase, as they honor you, as they honor you, I pray that you'd bless them mightily. Bless them mightily in the, in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless them mightily. Let the end of this year be the greatest part of the year that they've ever seen in Jesus' name. I take authority over sickness and disease. I take authority of depression, anxiety, every attack against your people. May it be destroyed today. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered 
In Jesus' mighty name, I thank you for it, Lord, and I give you praise and glory. Amen. Listen, those of you that are watching, Carolyn and I are getting ready to step out and do some of the largest things we've ever done, and it's happening already. This year, let me say this year, was the most fruitful year by far that we've ever had. More souls saved, more miracles took place, more open doors, more things accomplished for the kingdom. Things are happening. All, it's amazing. I mean, it literally, I'm looking back now from November, looking back to the beginning of the year, and I'm still already wondering how God did all that he did in one year, and we've still got another month to go. And I want to encourage you to stand with us in partnership. And we're, we're believing God for a 1,000 people to stand with us monthly at a minimum of $85 or more. Some are doing $100 a month, some $200. There's more, some that give more than that. But I want to encourage you to sow a seed by faith into this ministry and to stand with Carolyn and I as we're moving forward into what God's called us to do and as you're moving forward into what God calls you to do. Always remember that the seeds that you're sowing are for your benefit. God is giving you seed to sow so that you will increase and so that you will be blessed. And so in the final moments of this broadcast, I'm going to encourage you to sow a seed, those of you that are watching. Maybe you're watching on uh, Facebook or Periscope. You can use hashtag donate in the comments section to sow a seed right where you're watching, here in the comments. Don't ever have to leave the broadcast. If you're watching on YouTube or anywhere that you're watching, maybe you're even listening to this on the podcast, you know what you can do? You can go to miracleword.com and click on the give button there and you can sow a one-time seed or you can partner with this ministry with the partner tab and, and give monthly and we appreciate every person that's doing that. If you'd like to give by PayPal, you can do that as well. If you're using Cash App, our new cash tag for Cash App is MW give m w for miracle word give the word give and uh i know letty i saw letty on there today uh who likes to use cash app that's her favorite means of giving and those of you if you like to use it it's becoming my favorite means by the way of sowing seed and then for every person that is sowing this month and standing with us we're going to send you over four hours of teaching on why are christians sick and suffering and how you can be free we're not only going to teach you how to be free from sickness and disease, but also we're going to teach you how you can operate in the power of the Holy Ghost and see people healed through your life and ministry. And that's four plus hours of teaching. And by the way, let me mention this too. If you enjoyed this teaching today, it's just a small portion of the teaching that we have on answered prayer. And you can go to Miracle Word University at miraclewordu.com miraclewordu.com and we have a course there entitled Answered Prayer and we've got another course that's going to be dropping in December as well. Those of you that are already a part of Miracle Word University, you're going to be hearing about it first and gain early access to the course but right now we have this course available, Answered Prayer, among others that are there in the, in the university. But I want to encourage those of you that are watching this today that you want to go deeper in this study to go and become a part of that course. It's only $69 for over five hours of teaching on answered prayer. And it will be a massive blessing to your life and open your eyes to things you may have never seen before. Did you know that there's not only prayers, uh, as we taught today, there's things that will hold your prayers back from being answered. There are prayers that God will not even hear. There are certain prayers that God will not even hear. There's all kinds of teaching. You can check out the course uh, breakdown there on the site, Miracle Word U. 
www.ethicalcounselingmedia.com. And uh, I want to I want to encourage you to get involved with the university online courses that you can watch on any device at your own pace, uh, whenever you'd like to do it. And you can get involved with others that are a part of the course. You can write messages. We'll contact you back and uh, answer your personal questions. We want you to be a part of it as well. I see Miss Judy. Love you, Sonia. Good to see you. So I'm just telling you, uh, it will build your faith. Tonight, we're going to be back at Calvary Temple, 7 o'clock uh, p.m. on Facebook Live. And then uh, tomorrow morning, 10.30, my wife is going to be with me tomorrow morning. Carolyn is going to be on the broadcast. You're not going to want to miss tomorrow morning at 10.30 a.m. And then I'm not sure if it's going to be Thursday or Friday, but my father's going to be joining me on the broadcast as well. You're not going to want to miss that either. It's going to be great. I love you guys. Don't forget to email your vision 2020 to info at miracleword.com. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you tonight at 7 and then tomorrow morning again, 1030 with Carolyn. Don't forget to wish her a happy birthday today. And uh, I know she'll appreciate hearing from you. I love you guys. Have a powerful day today. And I'll see you tonight. God bless you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.